Hey, it's Sam Roberts. Thanks for checking out another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. This is episode 403, if you can believe it, and it's your support that keeps us going. If you want to support us absolutely for free, you can. Just make sure that you're subscribed to the show on whatever platform you're listening on. Download every single week, and you might as well listen to it while you're at it. If you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave us a five-star rating and a pleasant review. And of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. There's bonus content and video from the show, heavily edited and, and produced, going up on that YouTube channel all the time. It's youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. If you want to support the show even more and throw a couple ducats our way, we got extra stuff happening every single week. You can get a bonus episode of Not Sam Wrestling. You can see everything we do in the studio recorded live. You can enter Zoom rooms. You can enter our Discord. All you have to do is become a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. But at the very least, I want you to enjoy this week's episode. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, my thoughts on Dawkins and Montez. The bios are back. Why is Liv Morgan winning the Money in the Bank briefcase and the Women's Championship such a big deal? This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to it, guys. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing great. Hope everybody uh, is having fun. We are underway with the summer, and, uh, you know, this is a, a, a big summer for WWE. You know, of course, we were talking about the stadium shows that are coming up in short order, even though Money in the Bank got moved to an arena. SummerSlam is like, at this point, almost, I guess it was four weeks from Sunday, so it's it's three weeks and change away. Uh, then you've got Cardiff in the UK in a stadium uh, in the beginning of September, uh, and there's all the mainstream stuff going on with the WWE this summer, too. Uh, of course... There's the stuff that I was doing just last week uh, on Peacock. You could tune in and, and see SmackDown Lowdown. I was part of SmackDown Lowdown, the SmackDown After Show. That comes on Saturdays at noon, I think, to make time for all the affiliates to run the show and everything. But if you turn on Peacock now and you go to the latest episode of SmackDown Lowdown, I'm there. I snuck in a plug for Hot Dog. It was great. Uh, I was also announced uh, that I am going to be hosting the Comic-Con panel at San Diego Comic-Con this year, finally back in person. The last two San Diego Comic-Cons, I think two years ago, it was just flat out canceled. And I think last year they tried to do some kind of like virtual thing that just wasn't even remotely the same. But this year, back in person, back in action, Mattel is showing up. They announced the panel. Cody Rhodes, Zelina Vega... My co-host, Champa, from the Elite Squad, and yours truly, uh, hosting the thing, as well as surprise guests and action figure reveals and stuff. It's just, it's going to be so cool. Just going to Comic-Con is amazing. I've been to the San Diego one, I think, twice. I think I've been twice. It's obviously the biggest comic convention in the world. But I've been, I go to New York Comic-Con every year. I go to all the big ones. Um but getting to go in this capacity is going to be amazing. So I can't wait to do that. I can't wait for you all to see it. Um, speaking of you all seeing things during the week over in the on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, we uploaded a video version of my ultimate forbidden door WWE versus AEW pay-per-view, all my matches, my justification, everything. And our pal Marsh who's one of the top Not Sam shills over at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, did a hell of a job editing that video together. So if you get some time this week, uh, go check that out. But I don't know if you will have time this week because as part of the mainstreaming of, of WWE, of course, the uh, A&E season has finally begun. The deal was announced not too long after all the bios went out last year. Uh, they did what was it, I think eight A&E biographies on different WWE superstars last year. It was, I probably won't remember them all, but 
Uh, I think uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, uh, and a couple of other ones. doesn't really matter, but uh, not that it doesn't matter, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but they're back in a huge way. So this year, not only are we getting new WWE biographies every Sunday on A&E, but first you get a two-hour biography show. Then you get a one-hour rival show with the man himself, Freddie Prinze Jr., uh, showing his beautiful face on a lot of those. Then, after that, every Sunday, you get uh, Smack Talk, not Talking Smack, not SmackDown Lowdown, Smack Talk, hosted by Booker T, featuring the one and only pretty Peter Rosenberg, um, doing kind of like an after-show recap of everything that was talked about on the biography and rivals that aired that night with a special guest and everything. It's a lot of content, but it's good content. I feel like it's the type of content that fans like us devour. But if it's anything like last year, it's also the type of content that gets a fan base that maybe isn't watching anymore talking. I know a lot of people just in my personal life alone that have don't watch wrestling even remotely week to week. I mean, maybe if we get them for WrestleMania, we're lucky. I've got people that haven't watched wrestling since they were children that will turn on these A&E bios because A&E does a good job with biographies and uh, love them. So I'm excited uh, for that to be back. Uh, hopefully my face will pop up on a few of them and you'll enjoy them. Obviously, uh, at the time of this recording, I haven't gotten a chance to see, I believe uh, uh, last night it was, the Undertaker on Biography, and then Rock and, Rock and Austin on WWE Rivals. So, I mean, if you're going to start with a bang, start with a bang, right? Let's start with the A-list and go from there. But it does give you, and I've been talking about this for a while. Like, when you look at, at WWE specifically and what they offer and, and, and what makes them such a different company than any other, really, entertainment or wrestling company is all that glorious, glorious, what's known as intellectual property, all that IP that, you know, um, a lot of people would look at, at WWE and compare it to Star Wars. But the fact is, they're not Star Wars. They're the company that buys Star Wars. They're Disney. WWE is, of course, a brand in and of itself. But then you look at the landscape and you look at those biographies alone and you see everything that they're able to produce. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock as a rivalry. That's a brand. Stone Cold, that's a brand. The Rock, that's a brand. Undertaker, that's a brand. Imagine one brand having Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and The Undertaker. Just those four as brands that you've created. That entertainment company would be set for life just utilizing those four pieces of intellectual property and milking them for all that they're worth. People say that there is a lot of wrestling content, but if the WWE milked their characters dry the way Marvel does, you would have way more than you've got now. Because yeah, there's a lot of WWE programming. But if you look at the last 38 years of WWE history, there's a shit ton of characters to go through and a whole lot of backstory to tell. And ultimately, to me, that's what it's all about. And I think that uh, this, this project, this A&E project, does shine a light on that. That that, that is where I think that a, a lot of emphasis should be put in terms of trying to put your finger on what it is that the WWE does. They create characters and they create stories. And then we get to watch them day to day and, and, and watch them all play out, you know? I mean, characters make a big difference. Brock Lesnar being on Raw tonight made a big difference in ticket sales. All they did was announce that Brock was going to be on Raw. We had nothing yet announced for Raw. Now, as of this recording, we've had other things announced for Raw, but, but a week ago, nothing was announced for this Raw except that Brock Lesnar would be there. And boom. Tickets started flying because Brock Lesnar in and of himself is a valuable piece of intellectual property, is a brand, is a character, is a story arc, is an everything. 
you could create a series of graphic novels based on Brock Lesnar alone. He looks like a damn superhero. Kind of looks like a fleshed version of the thing. Like the Incredible Hulk, except there is no Bruce Banner. Dr. Banner doesn't exist. It's just, he's the Incredible Hulk and he's the Incredible Hulk all the time. And there's a sword tattooed onto his chest in case you forgot for a second. It would be like if he, if he slips into his alter ego, the friendly cowboy, except doesn't lose Hulk form. He's still this giant, so you can never forget that at any moment, he's able to snap you like a toothpick. That's Brock Lesnar. So tonight, he's on Raw, and of course, we're pushing forward uh, the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar uh, match for SummerSlam. A lot has been added to this match. Many eyes rolled. When the match was announced to begin with, and I completely understand why. The idea, if you're trying to get away from the fact that there's only one giant match in WWE, the idea that this is now in short order, you know, within the last calendar year, this will be the third Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. This will be, I mean, the third SummerSlam. We've done three WrestleManias. We did Crown Jewel. Like, this is... We're closing in on 10 matches between these two at some point. Uh, and, and, I, and I get it, especially when we're living in this time now where, of course, we've had to get used to the fact that we don't see Brock Lesnar every week on television anymore. But we also don't see Roman Reigns. We don't see Roman Reigns defending the title nearly every paper. It's been two pay-per-views since Roman Reigns defended the title. Let's see. The last pay-per-view is Money in the Bank. There was no Roman Reigns. Before that, it was Hell in a Cell. There was no Roman Reigns. I believe that he defended it. I'm going to look it up right now because I don't even remember if he wrestled. Let's see. Roman WrestleMania Backlash. I'm going to look at the what the card was for WrestleMania Backlash uh, this year because that would be the last time that Roman Reigns defended the, the championship on pay-per-view. Uh, let me get to the... The card, he didn't defend the title. It was uh, Roman and the Usos versus Drew McIntyre and RK-Bro. The last time Roman Reigns defended the WWE Championship on pay-per-view was at WrestleMania. And I believe, if this is true, he hasn't done it. I think that maybe the only time he's defended the title since winning it is against Riddle on SmackDown. Unless I'm wrong, I think that might be the only time that Roman Reigns has defended the title. So when you're not getting Roman Reigns matches, and I get it, I get it. We lost Cody Rhodes. We lost Randy Orton. Injuries happen, and 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 the roster starts to thin out right in front of your eyes, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just, it's nature. It's the world. It's unpredictability. Life finds a way. It's chaos theory. But I don't think that life finds a way and chaos theory is the exact same thing. But they were both said by Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. So that was the connection I made in my head. But I, I, yeah. And so when you get to this point that since beating Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns has not defended the title on pay-per-view and has maybe only defended the title once against somebody since WrestleMania, I don't think anybody, when Roman walked out of WrestleMania with both titles, thought, okay, the next time we see him defending that title on pay-per-view will be against Brock Lesnar. I think things, and we're going to talk in depth, I think, next week about Roman Reigns and his title run. But I think uh, interest has been added to the match. I mean, ultimately, once the match lands... There is always going to be interest in seeing Brock and Roman Reigns in the ring. The buildup, the announcement, it's always going to be met with skepticism. But once the match lands in the ring, in this era, there will always be entrance, uh, interest in that match. There hasn't always been interest in that match. WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, I believe that was 34, there was no interest in that match. It got booed out of the building. without, And it wasn't anything Brock or Roman did. They just didn't want to see the match. Maybe it was because they thought it was going one way that it wasn't. Who knows? They just didn't. I mean, that's 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 an instance where they didn't want to see it. But in this era, it's not getting booed out of a building. 
It's an exciting, it's the, it, it is still a massive, massive match. The fact that it's last man standing adds a lot to it. The fact that they're announcing it's the last time adds to it. Generally, do people actually believe it's the last time? I don't know. I don't know. But they're saying it's the last time. So if you're going to give it to us again, you're going to need to give us a major excuse to break that stip. But I think Austin Theory having the Money in the Bank briefcase is also uh, a big thing that that changes things up. And, you know, um, the fact that we're teasing it so much, of course, leads some to believe that there's no way that Austin Theory is going to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase at SummerSlam. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think that it makes it more likely to happen. But I think that there are instances where WWE teases something to the point that you go, well, it's not going to happen because it's too obvious. And then the fact that you don't think it's going to happen because it's too obvious makes it the swerve. It's the meta swerve. Are we going to see a meta swerve with Austin Theory? I don't know. I don't know all that. I told you last week, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think if Austin Theory leaves SummerSlam as the champion, it's not, well, whatever. I'm going to talk about all that next week. But, I, you know, I do think that Austin Theory holding that briefcase adds a lot to the Austin Theory character and makes up for anything he could have conceivably lost by losing to Bobby Lashley uh, at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Uh, guys, forgive the interruption, but just for one moment real quick, uh, this podcast, it's being sponsored by BetterHelp. We all deal with stress. We all deal with grief, moments of growth, and times we feel like we're moving backwards. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here to help with the twists and the turns of life. This is exactly what we're talking about this week on the show. They assess your needs and they match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. You know, we talk about it happening in, in pro wrestling, but in real life, the the starts and stops of life, it can all be uh, uh, very overwhelming at times. And BetterHelp helps. Talking to people Helps getting it off your chest, not allowing those kind of thoughts to just cycle and cycle and cycle. It all helps a lot. See, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, and it's worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video phone sessions. No uncomfortable waiting rooms. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. That's why they make it easy and free to change therapists. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being. You deserve inner peace. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NotSam. That's BetterHelp.com slash NotSam. Join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced professional. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for you listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash not Sam. That's betterhelp.com slash not Sam. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So speaking of uh, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Liv Morgan, of course, won the briefcase, cashed it in the same night, and beat Ronda Rousey. And I have found 
that this week has been a 101 course in letting your audience know that you have a new big star, that you have a new person who has fully entered the main event scene, that this is not a fluke. There's a big difference between the feeling we get when Nikki, almost a superhero, cashed in and won the women's championship and when Liv Morgan cashed in and won the women's championship. Now, we talk about title changes at SummerSlam. Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan. People go, do you think Liv is actually going to be able to beat Ronda Rousey? Because that's what makes the Ronda-Liv Morgan match. First of all, you have to do, unless Charlotte's coming back or you got some, you have to do Ronda versus Liv at Money in the Bank. I mean, at, at, at SummerSlam. It is your your biggest women's match on SmackDown for sure. And if you don't do a big-time, straight-up, pay-per-view, Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan title match, then Liv will never, would never be able to get credit for her reign. If you're able to roll up Ronda Rousey and then you never actually have to defend against her, that you're always going to have an asterisk next to your title reign. So I think this match is a necessity, and I think SummerSlam's the right place to do it. The question is, would Liv Morgan ever beat Ronda Rousey straight up? Ronda Rousey doesn't lose very often at all, straight up. Uh, my response? Yes. 100%. Yes. I think the only thing you can do if you want the most, the most, the most fruitful title reign, if you want the most fruitful women's division, if you want the most fruitful episodes of SmackDown, the only thing that you can do is have Liv Morgan beat Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. Now, she could have a lucky moment in the match. I'm not saying Liv Morgan should go out there and dominate Ronda Rousey and make her tap out and like, oh, I'm the champion and no one can beat me. That's not the role that Liv Morgan is playing. Liv Morgan is not the type of champion that just mows over everybody. Liv Morgan is the type of champion that is still trying to climb, that every match she goes into, She's trying to climb to get to the top of the mountain and it's a tough climb and that's why we like her. That's why we're watching. I think that that what you do is you have Ronda have a really good showing. You have Ronda at points in the match almost seem like she's not taking Liv all that seriously. You have Liv find an opening, take advantage of an opportunity, get the pinfall over Ronda Rousey, keep her women's championship it looks like we're going to get a repeat of what happened at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And then, boom, all of a sudden, Ronda turns on Liv, snaps the ankle in half, whatever you need to do. And Ronda fully becomes a villain. Ronda, as they say in pro wrestling, turns heel. I think if you watch the show, Ronda is just a much more natural Villain. There was something inside Ronda. At Money in the Bank, Ronda was the good guy. Natalia was the bad guy. But when the audience just naturally started booing Ronda and started cheering Natalia, there was just something in Ronda that she had to do that Shawn Michaels pose when she put Natty in the sharpshooter. And that is a beautiful thing to do if you're trying to infuriate the audience. She did it on Bret Hart's birthday. There's just something innate. I thought it was true the last time Ronda was in WWE. Her last run got really good when she became a villain, when she turned heel. And I think that the way you get there is you can easily have Liv Morgan get her victory, get the victory that 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 authenticates her women's championship run. And have Ronda turn heel. And by the way, once Ronda is a villain, well, now Liv went to SummerSlam. She was successful. She's been champion over a month. If you want to go to Cardiff, if you want to get to Extreme Rules and have Ronda as a villain take the title off of Liv Morgan, that's fine. That's fine. If Liv only gets, if Liv gets two, three months and Ronda as a villain is able to take the title back from her, that's great. That's because people would be furious with it and they'd boo Ronda. And as a bad guy, you want to get booed. That's what we try to do. We boo the bad guys. But the more I thought about this, 
the more I thought about why Liv Morgan is so appealing. Why is Liv Morgan the perfect SmackDown women's champion right now? Why is it working so well? In a world full of cynics, in a world full of people that are are smarter, in a world full of fans, I should say, that are smarter, quote unquote, than the people who write the show. Why is Liv Morgan the good guy who gets cheered wherever she goes? It is impossible to not like Liv Morgan. And I think that the reason that it's impossible to not like Liv Morgan is because it comes across as authentic. As much as you look at Ronda Rousey and assume that she's a villain, you look at Liv Morgan and you want to cheer for her. Liv Morgan has an innate likability. Liv Morgan has an innate relatability. You cannot look at Liv Morgan and go, that looks like somebody I don't want to support. So from the jump, from the first time you see her, you go, yeah, there's just something about, there's something about her face. The way she'll laugh in the ring and then put the serious face back on. The way she'll look, like the emotions on her face when she comes to the ring, she holds up the title and she's, it, it looks like she's really taking in the reaction the audience is giving her. It looks like this is really her dream being played out in front of our eyes. The whole Liv Morgan character appears to just be Liv Morgan. And they say that every great wrestling character is just yourself turned up to 11. But it's rare that it's not a character. The Mankind character might have been Mick Foley turned up to 11, but Mankind is still this character. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin turned up to 11, but it's still Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's a character. You can define it. The Ro- Go down the list. Ronda Rousey. You can define these characters and who they are and what motivates them. But Liv Morgan is any of us, is the best of us in the audience. We get Liv Morgan because she comes across like us. And most of us, and this is one of the benefits that people don't talk about. You know, it's very easy to uh, find the negative parts of the fact that WWE likes making superstars out of people who have never wrestled before. Likes finding people at their infancy stage and creating WWE superstars out of them. That's something that they're criticized for all the time. Except it's not brought up when you look at the landscape and you see Roman Reigns is the biggest star in wrestling and you see John Cena and you see all these people. And I know that John Cena wrestled a little bit before WWE, but he was hardly an indie sensation. These are people that were molded and crafted within the WWE developmental system, the Batistas, the Randy Ortons, the Liv Morgans. What's really great about the developmental system and about taking somebody from scratch and building them into a superstar is that every now and then we, the audience, get to see the journey. Those of us who have been watching for years and paying attention to everything get rewarded when we watch these people take on the position that we feel like they were born to take on and we see the growth. We get to see the growth happen right in front of our faces. And that is the story of Liv Morgan. You know, a a very important to the Liv Morgan character and the way the audience perceives her, I think is is the uh, uh, Liv Morgan documentary. Live through this, or what I think it was live through this that they put up on the WWE network. It's now available on Peacock. They moved it right to the front section. And it is, I mean, that if if John Carlo has a legacy in the WWE for the time that he spent there making documentaries and, and videos and stuff like that, I think the Live Morgan doc is it that's the piece. It's different from any other doc that's on that documentary. It's 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 honest and it's raw, and it's honest and raw about live, and it's honest and raw about the WWE and the way Liv has to has to exist within this very real life system. There is very little when you look at Liv on screen that separates her 
from what you perceive her real life to be. If you see Liv out on the street, if you see Liv leaving her hotel, if you see Liv in the parking lot of an arena after a show, even if you've been watching wrestling for 20 years and you know all, you know it all, you read every dirt sheet, you still kind of assume that the Liv Morgan that you just saw in that arena or the Liv Morgan that you watch on TV is the same person that you may be able to interact with on the street, and that's very, very rare in wrestling. Liv showed up on NXT TV uh, over a year after getting to the PC. You know, she was brought in um, after just training. Like, she was, she was, she was training at DeFranco's gym, and WWE found out about her. She got a tryout. She got a deal. And she started training to become a professional wrestler within the WWE system. Um, after a year and change, she ended up on NXT TV. Uh, and then after almost two years, she became uh, somewhat of a regular on NXT TV. Wasn't one of the top women. Wasn't, wasn't an NXT women's champion. But moved on to the main roster um, as a surprise, really, for most of us, three years after getting signed. So from the time she was signed to the time she was on the main roster, it was three years. And that's really, I think, you know, people knew of Liv as somebody that was in developmental and somebody that was in NXT. But I think that people really got to know her as a character when she showed up with the Riot Squad on SmackDown after, I think, it was either SummerSlam or WrestleMania, but regardless, it would have, yeah, I think it was after SummerSlam, about three years after she signed her deal with the WWE. And this says all you need to know, you know. Liv, by the way, even in the Riot Squad, was portrayed as kind of the the rough around the edges, young up and comer, you know. Sarah Logan was the was the blunt force object. She was the she was the brutality of the group, the enforcer, if you will. Ruby Riot was the one that felt like she was earmarked to be a top dog someday in the WWE women's division because of the, you know, years and years that she had under her belt uh, in the world of independent wrestling. And Liv Morgan was kind of the wild card kid sister of the group. But there's just something about, and, and she looked totally different, right? You see Ruby Riot, and she's all tatted up and she's punk rock to the core. You see Sarah Logan, and she is she's you you can already sense the the Viking that exists within inside of her. But you could see a world where Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan would hang out together. Liv Morgan doesn't necessarily seem like she would have rolled with that click. But there was an instant chemistry that existed between those three. There's almost this 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 positivity, right? That this optimism that is radiating off of Liv Morgan that we all see, you know? It wasn't long into the Riot Squad's run in the WWE that that we found out that all three of them had gotten the date that they debuted on the main roster tattooed to their bodies. I believe Liv's is on her neck. That's what a fan she is. As a fan, we think about how amazing it would be to get to live our dream. How amazing it would be to step into a WWE ring, into a WWE arena, just to be a whatever little part of the show that we could be. I know I still feel that way. And and you wonder if the superstars that you're cheering for are in touch with that, if they feel that way at all. And to know that one of them tattooed their debut date to their skin because it was that meaningful to them, that's an instant, oh, they're like me. The riot squad goes through and 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 after a run of about a year and a half, they break up. This, to me, was the real true beginning of the support for Liv Morgan. The riot squad was very popular. And people love seeing, because, because the characters of all three women radiated off of all of them. All of them had a different type of likability. All of them had a different type of thing that you wanted to support. But there was just something different about Liv. There's something that connected with the audience that was different. Honestly, I think 
And the WWE has, has, has keyed in on that. The WWE has figured that out and has made it so that that is who Liv is. Liv is her relatability. Liv is her likability. I think Paul Heyman might have been the first person to really zero in on that, but we'll get there. Because the Riot Squad came in, and I mean, they were like an old school faction. Not only did they get tattooed together, they went to the ring together. They got changed together. They traveled together. They made towns together. They did everything together. They did appearances together. Whenever, I mean, inside the ring, outside of the ring, it was the Riot Squad. And again, This is something when you feel like what you're seeing on screen translates to off screen, you just, your, your, your feelings are upped by 200%. When you feel like the, the thing that you're supporting on screen is similar to it off screen, your support goes through the roof. And so people who supported the riot squad, when they realized that the riot squad was not just an act on television, that they rolled together no matter what. That support went through the roof. And so when the riot squad broke up for no apparent reason, there was a backlash and it wasn't against the performers. That was the beginning of this backlash. against, like, why are you doing this? Why are you taking this from us? And the rare times that you would see Liv on TV, it really has, Liv has never come across, well, I'll get there. The Riot Squad broke up and they drafted Liv to SmackDown. So Sarah and Ruby stayed on Raw and Liv went to SmackDown by herself. Liv had never existed in a main roster locker room by herself and everybody knew this, right? Everybody meaning the fans. So they're all anxious. Everybody's anxious to say what, why? Why would this have happened? We were all enjoying the Riot Squad. Why was the Riot Squad broken up? Why is Liv being moved to SmackDown? Well, I guess there must be something big coming for Liv Morgan on SmackDown, right? Three months go by. Three months, a quarter of a year goes by. And Liv Morgan isn't even referenced on SmackDown. There is no Liv Morgan to be seen. She's not injured. She's not anywhere. She's just not on the show. Randomly. One episode of SmackDown. Liv shows up during a town hall meeting and she tells Charlotte that women like her, being Charlotte, are the reason that women like Liv don't get the opportunities that they deserve. And the only problem with that was that a lot of fans felt it was true that fans were ready to feel a refresh. Fans were ready for something new. The NXT original four horsewomen came over and revolutionized women's wrestling in the WWE at WrestleMania 32. It was almost like starting from scratch, the work that these women from NXT did. But by the time we got to Charlotte running SmackDown and Liv Morgan after three months finally showing up, people were ready for the women's division to start to look different. People were ready for new stars to pop up in that women's division. And the thought that it could be Liv Morgan got people super excited. Liv Morgan is the the living incarnation of something new. Liv Morgan looks like a refresh. To see Liv Morgan there, after three months of not being on TV, still feeling optimistic, still coming across as spunky, bright pink hair slapping you in the face, challenging Charlotte to a match. Yeah, it was exciting. Charlotte beats her in the main event of that episode of SmackDown, same show, which is fine. Of course, it's Charlotte. And Liv grabs the mic and she promises a change. She says the real Liv Morgan, which she will be back. And when she's back, it'll be the real Liv Morgan. And you know what happens after that? Another three months go by. And this is where the documentary really, really comes into play. Because fans were already going like, why the starts and stops 
on Liv Morgan are so dramatic. We want this person to succeed so much. And it's not even like she's going out there and failing. She's just not there. She's not on television at all for no apparent reason. And then the worst fear of Liv Morgan fans is confirmed when they turn on this documentary and they see that Liv Morgan, halfway through that three-month hiatus, the second three-month hiatus, not the first, the second three-month hiatus, halfway through that, she's getting ready to have a dark match. And maybe 30 seconds, maybe less. She's in gorilla position. She's in her gear. She's literally waiting for the ring announcer to announce her name. And she finds out that her match is canceled. And you can see it in her face. She's crushed. Anybody can understand. Pro wrestlers are human beings. Sports entertainers are also human beings. The idea of hitting that high and hitting that low within seconds of each other is is so much for a person to handle. The idea that you're sitting there and and you've been off TV for three months and you're like, oh my God, because when you're not on TV, you have to be thinking, is it because of something I did? Am I not as good as I thought I was? Are they getting ready to fire me? Are they doing, you know, all these terrible things. I mean, it's just, all it is, is free time for every negative thought that you have in your head to haunt you. And then you get on TV and you get into this top spot that leads you to the main event of SmackDown against Charlotte. And you're like, oh, okay, I was being being crazy before. Obviously, I'm in a good position. Obviously, there's a faith in me. They got something planned for me. And then, boom, you get hit again. You're not on TV with no sign of change in sight. And you're like, wait, I don't understand. Why did that last thing happen? Was that a fluke? Am I, am I, okay, I got a match. Okay, we got a dark match. Okay, that means probably maybe I'll do a dark match tonight. They'll see that I'm still good. And then next week I'll be on the, on the TV show. And then right before you go out, no, this isn't happening. And then it's like, oh, and you hear it in the documentary. She goes, but you know what? They said it was because I'm supposed to be reinventing myself and they didn't want to put me in front of a crowd before I have fully, you know, reinvented myself before that television sort of, you know, announcement uh, 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 and, and visibility has been on display. And while that's true, and I'm sure it is true, I'm sure that is the reason, it makes perfect sense. The idea that that message didn't get relayed until, you know, five seconds before she went out there. But that's, this is what makes Liv Morgan special. This is what makes Liv Morgan relatable is that she didn't go, well, this is what they said, but why didn't they tell me earlier? And they got to stop jerking me around and they got it. She goes, oh, but you know what? That probably means that they still got stuff in mind for me. That's good. I'm going to take it as a positive and I'm going to keep rolling. If we could all be a little bit more like that, less in our feelings, less letting every negative thought haunt us and more, okay, well, that's a, that's, I'm going to keep rolling. I'm going to keep doing what I do and I'm going to keep going to practice and getting better. Because maybe it's a positive. Instead of, it's probably a negative, go, maybe it's a positive, and keep it moving. And that's what Liv did. But she didn't end up back on SmackDown. And, and, and another three months after losing to Charlotte, it's announced in the draft that she's going to Monday Night Raw. And Graphic comes up with her face and everything. And you're like, we never even got the, that never, it never went anywhere. Why did that never go anywhere? Why did the breakup of the riot squad never go anywhere. Why did the return of Liv Morgan never go anywhere? And then she gets drafted to Raw in October. Another two months go by before Liv Morgan vignettes start playing. Liv doesn't show up until the end of December. So listen to this. Right after WrestleMania, with the riot squad, the riot squad gets broken up. She goes to SmackDown by herself. Three months nothing, then has one match, then another three months of nothing, and then gets drafted to Raw. We see a graphic of her, and then two months of nothing. That's eight months. One match. 
on television in eight months from WrestleMania to taking the next eight months off, save for one night. And she's not getting bitter and she's not on Twitter and she's not doing interviews and she's not doing any of this stuff. She's putting her nose down and she's working so that every time we see her, she will be better. And then she shows up to Raw and she does the bit with Lana. And when Paul Heyman describes it in the documentary, you kind of get what he's saying more. He's saying that he looked at, at, at young women who might be watching the product, who might not be watching the product. He looks at people like his own daughter and realized that the one thing that they hate is labels. This wasn't about Liv Morgan coming out. This was about Liv Morgan being part of the, portraying the generation that she is a part of and not wanting to be labeled. And that's why she comes out in the middle of this big wedding angle. And the angle itself, the one, the segment of television is an incredible segment of television. I said it when it first happened and I will always say it. It was an incredible and effective segment of television. It's one of the great WWE weddings. It didn't go anywhere, but it's one of the great WWE weddings. And the fact that it didn't go anywhere, it, it, it leads to more of that, that, that underground swelling of support for Liv Morgan. She comes out, she says that Lana was once the love of her life. Everybody's shocked. She interferes in the wedding. But then, you know, after the wedding, over the course of about a month, she has two matches with Lana. She beats her both times. It's never really explained when, how, if, why. And it just kind of goes away. It just, you had this big thing, and then it just kind of, it kind of drops. Liv starts a, 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 a rivalry with, with Ruby Riot. And it's fine. But you're almost like, it's, it almost feels like, I guess, you know, they're both here now. I think by this point, Sarah's gone or she's about to be gone. But I guess they're both here, right? And then we enter into the pandemic period. And that's when the Riot Squad get back together as a tag team. We've got Ruby and Liv Morgan back together. And, and, and they're a big act during the pandemic period. They start a rivalry with the Iconics. They're drafted to SmackDown. But they never win the Women's Tag Team Championship. And Ruby, a year later, after, the, after they reunite, ends up getting released from the WWE. So now we're back to the place we were to begin with. Liv is left on her own. And it's almost like this entire two years and change, two, two and a half years, has just been this weird spin cycle that as fans, the perception is, Liv Morgan has been a victim of. We've been sitting here, right? And we're watching Liv. And we're seeing her grateful. We, she comes across as grateful for every single opportunity she gets in a WWE ring. And we recognize that as fans. She comes across as somebody who loves this thing that we love. Pro wrestling, sports entertainment, WWE. And we recognize that as fans. We see her getting better when we get to see her. And we recognize that. We see her not getting bitter. We see the sparkle. The fact that the sparkle is still there with all of this that's gone on. The fact that Liv can come out and still be overwhelmed by the reaction and still still have that sense of, of childlike wonderment. Gosh, oh golly, oh gee, can you believe I'm here? And we believe it because I think it's true. She has every reason in the world at this point to be like, well, I mean, I tried. And it didn't work, so forget this. And instead, no, I think I'm going to keep pushing forward. I think I'm going to keep trying because I love this and this is my dream. And we see that as fans. And that becomes the character of Liv Morgan. By the time Ruby goes away and Liv is back to where she started, I don't think Liv is trying to discover who she is anymore. Paul Heyman described her as, 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 a, as a young girl with a dream that even she couldn't vocalize, a dream that couldn't possibly make sense to anybody except for her. 
And although she can't vocalize it, and although I couldn't explain it back to her, in her mind, it's as clear as day. And I think in that two plus years, that dream started to take shape and take shape and take shape and started to become a reality and it became contagious. And the WWE universe, the audience, saw it and jumped on board with it. And when we see Liv Morgan come out now, we see her for like the last year or so. We watch her and again, it's not exactly, it's not so much start and stop as it is. First, it looks like we're going somewhere and then maybe we're not. Then it looks like we're going somewhere and then maybe not, you know? She got a title match against Becky Lynch. She got one on Raw. She got one at day one. That was great. But then, you know, she joins Rhea Ripley. That gets blown up. She joins Finn and AJ. Gets blown up. And like, the thing about Liv is people have wanted stuff with Liv to work so badly. When Bray Wyatt was doing his thing as the Fiend. Not, no, before he was even doing his thing as the Fiend. When he was just Bray Wyatt and he was talking about Sister Abigail. There was a groundswell that wanted Liv Morgan to be Sister Abigail. Because they want it, because they want they want Liv doing this. They want Liv in a, in a in a position of prominence, and they want Liv to have something that that people can sink their teeth into. Anytime she's paired with anybody, you see people saying, "I want this to be the thing. I want this to be the permanent thing." Rhea and and Liv Morgan together. People were like, "Oh my God, this is everything. This is everything." She joined Finn Balor and AJ Styles for like um one match. Maybe two. And people are like, oh, this has to be the new Bullet Club. And 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 Liv Morgan as, as, as their third. Like, this is going to be fantastic. I want this to be a faction forever. And it's because of Liv. It's because people, fans, want to see Liv Morgan succeed. And that's why she got the reaction that she did at Money in the Bank. Not only when she won, but when she cashed in. You could hear them when she came down the aisle. And when she actually got the pin, my God, the reaction that she got. And that reaction continues. On Monday Night Raw, when she comes out and cuts the promo, everybody's on her side. And then they put her in that tag team match, and Bianca Belair is her tag team partner, and we are so ready as fans for her to be in that Bianca Belair conversation for Liv Morgan to breathe that rare air. And then she goes on the bump on Wednesday and they spend the whole hour with her and they bring people in, they bring in Sarah Lone, they bring in everybody to send in their video messages and congratulate Liv Morgan and it is Liv Morgan Appreciation Day on the bump. And nobody watching the bump is going, can we move on to something else? They're all just living in the appreciation and living vicariously through Liv Morgan. And then we go to SmackDown and Liv is, is, is cutting this promo on SmackDown and Natty's getting involved and Ronda's getting involved and all we want to see is Liv Morgan controlling this division. There's not going to be one person in Nashville that wants to see Liv Morgan lose to Ronda Rousey. Not one. It can't happen without Ronda Rousey being the biggest villain in the company. And even with her being the biggest villain in the company, it shouldn't happen at SummerSlam because people have literally, people have watched this. People have watched the growth of Liv Morgan. She only gets better. She only gets, she only, her her passion only feels like it's growing. Nobody, nobody, when you look at that history, nobody has more justification to be bitter and have you ever ever seen an interview a tweet a match an in-ring segment a backstage promo where there's even a hint of bitterness from Liv Morgan have you ever heard her on a podcast coming across as bitter or what do you hear that contagious laughter that that thing that we all want why do we watch wrestling because it's fun because we're having fun And that's what we see in Liv. 
That's why everybody loves her. That's why nobody should be shocked by it. And Liv is 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 the is the is the perfect candidate right now to carry that sentiment forward and to take full advantage of it. I mean, it's it's very rare for somebody to have a, a sort of innate likability and and draw that allows them to just go out there and utilize it and has the result of the audience being on their side. And that's what happens with Liv Morgan. Nothing feels made up. Nothing feels like it was created in a in a in a boardroom. Nothing feels marketed. It all feels authentic. And and authenticity when you find it is just simply not something that you can be trivial about. Authenticity is 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 limited. It's to be taken advantage of when when you get it in the best possible way. And and I hope that we learn from the story of live and see that that all of this has led to this 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 support. And that the only thing to do with it is to give live this moment. And in giving live this moment, what you're doing is you're giving the fans this moment. You're giving every fan that has watched her this moment. It's our moment. And 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 she is that vehicle that 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 gives it to us. So you know, I've been thinking a lot about about why and how and and all those thoughts. So that was just uh those are my thoughts on live. You know, there's also there's there's uh when you talk about people who uh have that when you're talking about people who uh people have followed on their journey i think montez ford's name comes up but you know angelo dawkins was on uh the after the bell podcast and i think i said this after money in the bank but if you watch money in the bank everybody says that angelo Dawkins, i mean that that montez ford is gonna be the next superstar you know he gets compared to Shawn michaels you get and when people get compared with Shawn Michaels and they're in a tag team, their partner inevitably gets compared with Marty Jannetty. But if you're paying attention, man, if you're really paying attention, Montez Ford is great. But sometimes your attention gets lost in that frog splash of his. What's really going on under the surface is Angelo Dawkins has just been improving and improving and improving and improving. And I think you got a monster on your hands with Angelo Dawkins. I think Dawkins... Dawkins is somebody to watch, man. Dawkins is somebody to really watch. Guys, I apologize for the interruption, but I've been asked to, well, to ask you a question. Manscaped wants to know if you got bush. <laughs> you definitely do. If you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Yes, they relieve you of your bush problems. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good. You're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. <laughs> it's insane. It's a fact that you will have the... Oh, my... It's, it's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on your cul-de-sac. It's true. I swear to you. <laughs> Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code... Not Sam, of course, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Hey, man, I took it off my head. Remember I had that big afro on my head and I shaved it down. Have you ever seen anybody with a more clear example of what is referred to as a glow up? I look so much better now than I did before. And why? Because I got that bush off my head. Now imagine if you got yours off your balls. That's all I'm saying. Go to Manscaped and get this performance package 4.0. You get the lawnmower 4.0, this electric trimmer. It's a Bush's worst nightmare. I'm not talking about the former president of the United States. How about the, uh, 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 it's got an LED light. 
to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. That's metaphorical, by the way. You're not actually going to mow your lawn in the dark. And honestly, if you're going to shave your pubic hair, (laughs) you should have the light on. But the LED spotlight will help. It'll just make sure you get all the problem areas. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. You get it? Second best tool in the performance package is the weed whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. If you call your nose hair nose pubes, get rid of all of them. You're a disgusting person. Hey, you can get all this stuff and more with the performance package. You get a travel bag. You get the high-performance, reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. You get ball deodorant. Crop reviver spray-on testy toner. You get everything. They won't be able to keep their hands off you. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code NOTSAM at manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code NOTSAM. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong. <laughs> with, <laughs> with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. Seriously, enough of the shenanigans. Go to manscaped.com and enter code promo code NOTSAM. You'll get 20% off, and I won't have to read these puns anymore. Um... We also talk about that innate likability. That's why Pat McAfee is such a success and why I'm so uh, I'm very happy to see Pat get the big multi-year contract from WWE, that announcement coming out uh, during the week. So congratulations to Pat McAfee. Um, adopted son of the McMahon family, by the way. We've got uh, uh, emails now coming in. Uh, I didn't get to them last week, so we got a... a couple of these are spread out over the last two weeks three i'll go with three i'll do three emails okay three emails real quick if you want to send us an email the email address is not sam wrestling at gmail.com that's not sam wrestling at gmail.com uh this one is coming from brian this is in response to uh the ultimate forbidden door which you can go back a couple weeks and listen to on the podcast or now you can Check out youtube.com slash wrestling and watch the whole thing unfold. Uh, Brian says, you're better at this than I am, but uh, before I heard any, I was thinking that the main event had to be Ambrose with William Regal versus Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman. Yeah, you know, I heard a lot of that stuff, and I'll tell you, when I when I sat down to write out uh, The Ultimate Forbidden Door, I wanted to do a Shield match in there. You know, and and a, a lot of it, I, I was trying to figure out how to do Ambrose versus Rollins, if I'm being honest, because to me, Roman Reigns versus CM Punk and the debate as to who's moving the needle. I mean, that's the match. You know, not only Roman Reigns versus CM Punk, those are the two biggest stars in either company, but the fact that Paul Heyman has history with both guys. I mean, to me, that's the no-brainer for sure. And I was going to do Ambrose versus Seth Rollins for sure, but I just, I fell in love with the idea of doing a Hangman Page versus Seth Rollins. I feel like Hangman Page and Seth Rollins have similar roles in the two companies. And, you know, I felt like in a lot of the matches that I did, because I could have done a lot differently, but I felt like that ultimate show in my head was more about WWE and AEW than it was about taking the people from different promotions and reliving some of our favorite rivalries from WWE in the past, you know what I mean? Um, we have this one, Sphee, uh, S-P-H-E, I'm assuming Sphee is how you pronounce that. Uh, hey, Sam, my name is Sphee. I'm sending this all the way from South Africa. I appreciate you, South Africa. Get me out there, find me a venue, and I'll do a live show in South Africa. Just wanted to let you know that I love your show. I appreciate that, and enjoyed the Forbidden Door episode. Definitely one of my favorites. My question to you, is when are you getting season two of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network? Well, I guess in South Africa, it would be WWE Network, and here it would be Peacock. Look, man, that Not Sam Wrestling show is about as proud as I'll be of anything, especially that I've done with WWE. the, The fact that we did that, just me and Hot Dog sitting here in the basement, 
making a WWE Network TV show. That's that's one of those things that I think still the gravity of it hasn't quite hit me. Um, look, send out tweets to WWE and WWE Network and everybody, you know, you can spread the word on that better than I can. I think I, 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 I think if there's one thing that is guaranteed, it's that the powers that be in the WWE are aware that I'm ready, willing, and able to do a season two of Not Sam Wrestling for the network. And uh, I would do it a lot differently now, you know, no COVID stuff. Keep in mind, that was all done during the pandemic. So we were confined to the basement. Now, ah, oh, we'd be everywhere. We'd be at live events. We'd be everywhere. Getting fan interaction stuff going on. That could be fun. Going to live events and interviewing people outside the show and every, oh man, now you got me. See, now you got me with the ideas. You better hit up WWE. I got so many ideas for Not Sam Wrestling Season 2. I would knock their socks off. Ross wrote in, uh, just finished your Money in the Bank breakdown and completely agree with putting the title on theory. I believe my statement was, fuck it, just put it on theory. Because fuck it, why not? What else are you doing? Theory needs to leave SummerSlam with both titles. However, on Raw, I have Paul Heyman either as the advocate or the wise man inform Adam Pierce that the contract was for one title. Therefore, either Roman or Brock should still be either WWE or Universal Champion. This way, you split the titles up again and can begin telling two different stories with two different champions. If it was me, I'd have it be Roman. Then you can still have your Roman versus Drew match at Cardiff with Roman going away after that, or, fingers crossed, Roman versus Rock at WrestleMania. Could be a fun angle with Heyman teaching theory about reading contracts. What are your thoughts? Ross? As long as nothing catastrophic happens within the next seven days. Next week, I'm going to do this week's analysis. I was going to do it this week. That's why I know I'm doing it next week. My plan for next week is to do an analysis on the future of Roman Reigns' title reign. I was going to do it this week, but then I got obsessed with the Liv Morgan stuff. I'm going to hit you with that next week. Unless something catastrophic happens, which it could. Only way to find out, tune in next week. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.